Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 237 of The Informed Catholic. Episode 237 of The Informed Catholic. And before we begin, please subscribe and share to the podcast. It would be a great help. Uh, It would let Anchor and Spotify, those are the ones I produce my podcast through, know that you like this. And it will convince all the other podcast platforms, seeing that there are more subscribers. It will let them know that people actually like it and it will continue to get distributed. So now uh, that we got that out of the way, let's open up with a prayer. Let's open up with the confession. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now we'll go to the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's begin. The first reading is from the first letter of St. John, chapter 2, 29-36. No one who remains in him sins. A reading from the first letter of St. John. If you consider that God is righteous... You also know that everyone who acts in righteousness is begotten by him. See what love the Father has bestowed on us that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure, as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin commits lawlessness, for sin is is lawlessness. You know that he has that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins no one who sins has seen him or know or known him the word of the lord thanks be to god the response all your psalm is um actually no let me go back and read this one more time sometimes the words can be i mean it's the new american bible and i'm not crazy about it but 
let's read it one more time and and, and really consider what we're, what we're reading here. If you consider that God is righteous, you also know that everyone who acts in righteousness is begotten by him. See what love the Father has bestowed on us that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. The reason, we're all, the, reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin commits lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins. No one who sins has seen, has seen him or known him. All right, let's um, go back. I noticed that, okay, the Gospel of Matthew is obviously being told about our Lord from a purely Jewish perspective, but you know, the way it presents Jesus, a sermon on the mountain as uh, the new Moses, uh, sort of like revealing what's hidden in the law, which is true. Uh, you know, if you look at it, he presents him on a mountain, but instead of coming down the mountain, we come to him on the mountain. Remember how like Moses told the Israelites not to touch the mountain, because if they touch the mountain, they will die. Well, here you have the people going to him on the mountain and sitting at his feet. The way Mary, you know, the story in the gospel, uh, Luke, Martha's working in the kitchen and Mary is sitting at the foot, listening to Jesus and talking to Jesus, listening to him. That's, that's it because, you know, holiness now is on the mountain and the holiness is calling us to the mountain, to him. Because the Christian faith is literally uh, climbing the mountaintop to become holy. You're climbing along with Jesus. Fulton Sheen said in his book, The, Li uh, the Life of Christ. And I think maybe I'm going to read it. I'm going to try to read it with you guys on the podcast to go through it. He said that... He who gave the Beatitudes, gave the Sermon on the Mountain, will put the Beatitudes to the test himself. Will, will climb the, the, who gave the Beatitudes on the mountain, who gave the Sermon on the Mountain, will also climb the mountain to be crucified to show that the Beatitudes are true. I, I, I'm, I'm jumbling Fulton Sheen's words. I know I am. But I remember that line. I remember that because he won't just give you the Sermon on the Mountain. You see, if he just gave us a Sermon on the Mountain, he would be just a philosopher. Another philosopher, another Buddha, another Socrates, another Plato, uh, another Confucius. He's not. He's God. God is telling you how you can live. 
He's giving you the words, the teachings. And then he won't just give it to you. He'll show you. He'll take you and he'll show you that the Beatitudes, in order to to reach that perfection, you have to die to yourself. What does he say um, in his words? Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I mean, how, how, how do you do that? How do you, how do you try to be perfect when God is completely perfect? No one can be perfect as God is perfect. God is completely perfect. No human being can reach that level, but he did. He said it. He said those words. So when you look at this letter here, see what love the father has bestowed on us. Okay. I mean, the word, the first words, you consider what God is, that God is righteous. If you consider that God is righteous, you also know that everyone who acts in righteousness is begotten by him. <laughs> you, 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 how, how do we do that? See what the, well, what, what love the father has bestowed on us that we may be called the children of God. It's you, the only way that can be done is in Christ. The only way it can be done is to be crucified and die with Christ, die to self and put on the new man, which is Christ. The only way it can be done is through his holiness, his, his life. We can't do anything. It's impossible to do any of this without him. We need him. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure as he is pure, holy as he is holy. It's impossible for us to do this on him. Everything goes back to him. Okay, everything goes back to him. And he goes back when you completely engross yourself in him. Okay, when you completely put on the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the love of Christ, you live, breathe, eat Christ. You li literally, it means the complete, completely melting away into him, being completely absorbed into him. And everything else that is unclean, unholy in us is slowly stripped away. Slowly it dissolves. Slowly it disappears. Slowly it's washed away. It's the only way. Completely the only way. There's no other way to do this. I mean, I mean, like it says here in the beginning, right from the first words, if you consider that God is righteous, you also know that everyone who acts in righteousness is begotten by him. That means we have to, like it says, be born again, be born again in, in our cell, in our minds, in our hearts, in our very depths of our being, in the way we look at life. It has to be done with him. And it goes on. You know that it, it, that it was revealed. To, he, he was revealed to take away the sins, 
take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins. No one who has who sins has seen him or knows known him. It's the only way. It's impossible. You can't do it any other way. You can't do it in any other way. It's impossible to do it in any other way. That's why we need the sacraments. That's why we need, um, we meditate. One thing, beautiful thing is as Catholics, we meditate on the mysteries. We meditate on the life of Christ. We do it through the rosary, uh, through scripture. We do it through the sac. We go through the sacraments. We have to receive the body and blood, souls of any. We go to the confession. We have to put on completely the mind of Christ. It also is the culture of Christ. It's the life of Christ. It's the daily life of Christ. It's not a one-time thing where you commit yourself to him and that's it. No, it's a daily constant. Um, someone described it like putting coal in a furnace. In a whole, uh, feeding it grace, feeding it, feeding the furnace through like the, like they say, like the metal is being purified, removed of any imperfections or impurities. It's the only way. All right, let's go to the um, responsorial psalm. All right, so the responsorial psalm is Psalm 98. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his, ho his holy arm. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song, sing praise. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious, melodious song, with the trumpets and the sound of the horn. Sing joyfully before the King, the Lord. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. And this is a, uh, one of the uh, beautiful things about uh, when you see this, when you read the Psalms, is poetry. It can be put into songs, and it could be, um, it could be just definitely for meditation, for a moment to sort of calm yourself. Let's say if some moment you've been disturbed by something or you feel anxiety. Um, the Psalms are very beautiful. They're all very beautiful. I mean, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. When you go to the book of Revelations, you find out there's a song that they sing in heaven, <laughs> which is, you know, we always have this picture of harps, angels with harps or something like that. And and you wonder why, but the thing is, is that because it's constantly praising God, it's not about sitting there in the cl white cloud and, and, and playing a harp and a flute. No, it's all about finding complete happiness and joy in God. Now, of course, the book of Revelation is giving it to you in, in, in surreal images because God, God knows that we need, we are, we need communication 
through images, through symbolism. And the Jews are, the Jewish people are very symbolic people because they have a lot of symbolism and you can see that in their literature and everything. Uh, sing praise. Sorry about that. Sing praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Sing joyfully before the King, the Lord. And um, that's, that's another thing is that you see the symbolism is um, meant to communicate uh, perfection, happiness, and joy. Horn, a horn, when you see the, uh, the, uh, the image of the horn with trumpets and the sound of the horn, uh, it's supposed to symbolize strength, power, and praise because, you know, horns are symbol of strength from the ox and the bull. And you hear about trumpets and all kinds of, and harp, because it's all about giving thanks and praise to God. Music, all the music is only for God and is always for us to give us the joy, to give him the joy, to praise him, because only in God we find our joy and complete happiness. Okay, so now we go to the gospel reading. Alleluia, alleluia. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. To those who accept him, he gave power to become the children of God. Alleluia, alleluia. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29 to 34. 29, 34. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him. But the reason why I came, I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit coming down like a dove from the, from the sky and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me on whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, we're familiar with this scene. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be familiar with it during the baptism of the Lord. We're kind of we're leading up to it actually. In a sense, there's like that's also considered an epiphany. Uh it's also pretty much that's actually considered the end of Christmas at the baptism of our Lord, because the private life of our Lord ended. And then suddenly his public life begins. And this is where, in a sense, you, you, you're you going to get into a relationship. This is where we are getting into a relationship because we're living through him. John the Baptist sees him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All right. We've gone through so much about John the Baptist, especially his beheading, his martyrdom, um, his abandonment in prison, uh, Herod Antipas putting him away, Herodias wanting him dead because he he you know he spoke the truth, because John pointed out that it's wrong for this man to to live in a in adultery with a with another man's wife, 
But the thing is, what's really fantastic about all this is that his entire life was centered on letting the world know who Jesus is. Now, notice something very important about John the Baptist. We don't have the book of John the Baptist. We don't have a letter of John the Baptist. We don't have... Uh, we don't even have anyone who, who recorded his life. Much of John the Baptist's life, the majority of the 30 years, is missing. I mean, we completely don't know. We, we know that he was born, and we know at some point in his life, at some point, he that's all it is. For us, it ends when he's circumcised. We don't hear anything. We don't hear a single peep. We know his mother and father spoke a few words. All right. We know his father said a prayer and Elizabeth said a prayer. Nothing of Joseph, the foster father of Jesus, is recorded. Mary said a few words and we know she said a prayer. We know she appears again later on in wedding at Cana. But the one interesting thing about John the Baptist, who is supposed to be the one that proclaims him. Nothing, nothing, not a, not not anything about his life, not anything when he when he decided to go run off into the desert. Nothing is given to us, not a single thing. Yet, he's he is he is one of the most important people, uh, right after the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, in the Gospels. And yet, nothing about about his spiritual about his his calling nothing nothing is given to us and he's and he is one of the most important people we we have in in the life of our lord but nothing and that's the scary part nothing more and yet everything we know about him is behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world i must decrease while he increases he must increase while I decrease. Repent and be baptized. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, you bunch of brutal vipers. These are the things we know about him. And nothing more. Nothing, no drama. Some people have tried. I mean, I think uh, Oscar Wilde tried writing a play called Salome, where he tried to, he made an imaginary sort of relationship between John the Baptist and, and the uh, the Salome in the in the uh, in in the Gospels. It's really it's really very uh, interesting, but it, it's only imagining a romance that that wasn't true, and that she probably danced because she was jealous of him. You know how people are going to try to come up with some kind of drama, something that would give uh, credit to their uh, to something to to their perverted life, and that's all. And yet, the whole purpose is to know that Jesus Christ came to take away the sins of the world. What are we supposed to walk away from this? Is that we have to be completely holy in Him and in Him alone. Nothing more. Christ is everything. He is the bread from heaven. He is the, the life of the world. He is everything to us. And this is all we need to know. All right, let's go to uh, something else. All right, so I'm going to read from the Office of Reading um, a sermon by St. Peter Chrysologos, Chrys, uh, Chrysologos, Bishop. 
Love desires to see God. When God saw the world falling to ruin because of fear, he immediately acted to call it back to himself with love. He invited it by his grace, preserved it by his love, and embraced it with compassion. When the earth had become hearted in evil, God sent the flood both to punish and release it. He called Noah to be the father of a new era, urged him with kind words and showed that he trusted him. He gave him fatherly instructions about the present calamity and through his grace consoled him with hope for the future. But, but God did not merely issue commands. Rather, with Noah sharing the work, he filled the ark with future seed of the, of the whole world. The sense of loving fellowship thus engendered, removed, servile fear, and a mutual love could continue to preserve what shared, shared labor had affected. God called Abraham out of the heathen world, symbolically lengthened his name and made him the father of all believers. God walked with him on his journey, protected him in foreign lands, enriched him with earthly possessions, and honored him with victories. He made a covenant with him, saved him from harm, accepted his hospitality, and astonished him by giving him the offspring he had dis despaired of. Favored with so many graces and drawn by such great sweetness of divine love, Abraham was to learn to love God rather than fear him, and love rather than fear was to inspire his worship. God comforted Jacob by a dream during his flight, roused him to combat upon his return, and encircled him with, with a wrestler's embrace to teach him not to be afraid of the author of conflict, but to love him. God called Moses as a father would, and with a fatherly affection invited him to become the liberator of his people. In all the events we have recalled the flame of divine love, enkindled human hearts, and its intoxication overflowed into men's senses. We, wounded by love, they longed to look upon God with their bodily eyes. Yet how could our narrow human vision apprehend <coughs> God, whom the whole world cannot contain? But the law of love is not concerned with what, what will be, what ought to be, what can be. Love does not reflect. It is unreasonable and knows no moderation. Love refuses to be consoled when its goal proves impossible. Despise all the hindrance to the attainment of its object. Love destroys the lover if he, if he cannot obtain what he loves. Love follows its own promptings and does not think of right and wrong. Love inflames desires which impels it toward things that are forbidden. But why continue? It is intolerable for love not to see the object of its longing. That is why whatever reward they merited was nothing to the saints if they could not see the Lord. A love that desires to see God may not have reasonableness on its side, but it is, it is the evidence of fela love. It gives Moses the temerity to say, If I have found favor in your eyes, show me your face. It inspired the psalmist to make the same prayer. 
show me your face. Even the pagans made their images for this purpose. They wanted, they wanted actually to see what they mistakenly revered. There. That, I think right there says it all. Look at that. That was amazing what this man wrote. The centuries ago. Centuries ago. It's all about, it's a romance. It's a romance between us and God. We wanted to see his face. We wanted so desperately to see his face. We wanted so desperately in our sinfulness to see his face would we wanted we in our somewhere in an instinct we knew that he is the object of everything you know and because we we're so cut off from him we are in pain and so because we we committed sin our first parents committed sin we were cut off from the very life of ourselves god is life god is love and because we are in a sinful state we weren't ready he loved us. He loved us so much, you know, that he had to pull back and say, no, you're not ready. You're not ready. I know. I love you too. I love you too. I want you to see me. But if you see me, you will die because you are not in the right state of mind. You're not in a, in a right spiritual state. You are in, in deep sin. And this deep sin, you know, is in the way between us. And yet you don't, you know, you, I know you love me and I know you want to see me and I know you want to be with me, but I can't let you be with me because you will destroy yourselves. So we're unreasonable in a sense. Our own sinful state makes us unreasonable. It's pretty much like a love story between two lovers, you know, who are obsessed with each other, that it makes them unreasonable. But only one of them knows the truth, knows that the other one is completely unreasonable. And, you know, justify the love is true, but it's unreasonable. And what happens? Once God became human, he revealed himself. He loved us so much that he's willing to endure anger. You know how some lovers get so angry, the story goes, that some, they begin to hate, they begin to hate the person they love. You know how parents say, a kid say to their parents, I hate you. And yet they know their parents love them. But because of their unreasonable behavior, their, their, their obsession that they've developed, it blocks them from seeing the damage that's being done. I hate you. I don't, I, you know, I don't love you. I hope, you know, the kids say, oh, I hope you die. I hope I never see you. You know, I hope, you know, I, you know, I hope, you know, that, you know, that, that, that you'll never see me again. I'll never love you. I hate my mom. I don't believe in you. Things like that. Kids act, people act so ridiculously unreasonable. That's pretty much almost like the same thing with an atheist. But what happens is the kids often develop an obsession that is wrong. And that obsession usually is a sinful addiction. That's what happens. This is, this is, this is the state that it's in. Okay, so um, let's do the, um, the Our Father. Actually, let's do the Apostles' Creed first. Okay. Okay, hold on here. Okay. 
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit he was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, he rose again, and on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And I'll say the Our Father first in Latin, then in English. Pater nostre quies in celis, santificetro nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat valentas tua, secure in celo ed in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimidi nobis diepta nostra, secure nos dimitimos, deptoribus nostris, et in nos indugas intertashinam, se libra nos in malo. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. All right, folks, um, that'll be it for tonight. Tomorrow, I'll come back with another one. And uh, I'll um, I'll do one for the New Year's Day for the Holy Mother of God uh, that day, since it's dedicated to her. And, uh, well, we'll begin the new year. So, uh, God bless. Merry Christmas. We're still in Christmas. And stay safe. <laughs>